All right. Well, good morning, church. Everybody good? Good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I think it is, man. It's good to, uh, to be here. Uh, last week, uh, Tony did an incredible job uh, just uh, closing out uh, our series, You Matter. And, uh, and I hope that you guys were here to, here to hear that because, man, he's talking about making someone feel valued. Whenever I heard Tony share his testimony really about his dad... Uh, who Bob was sitting here in the room. I'm sitting there thinking, man, how in the world did Tony hold it together sharing that story with his dad? And I mean, I'm a crybaby, man. I, you know, I, I weep just sharing Jesus. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, he, his dad's sitting there, his mom's sitting there, and I thought how powerful that was. But what a great picture of God's grace and God's mercy and the power of God to change someone. Here, you know, he's talking about his dad who was a drug addict who, man, had made terrible decisions and all this stuff. But yet, when he was broken and repentant, that God redeemed him, restored him, and then here we are seeing his wife come to know Christ and his children come to know Christ, and Tony's preaching a message. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, that is the kingdom of God. That is awesome, man. So that's good stuff. So y'all give it up for Tony. I thought he did an incredible job. And, uh, man, I, I love I love just hearing life change. I don't know about you, but I love to hear about life change. And so uh, thank you all for being here today. If you're watching this online, we're glad that you have joined us. And if you all would, you know, make people feel welcome online. Just say, hey, listen, we're glad you're here. Y'all can clap it up for them. At least they're making a choice. And, and let me just tell you, this is, let, let me tell you what happened this past week. Talking about online, uh, we had a, I had a guy shoot me a text uh, on Monday and he said, and, and this is what it said. It said something like, Hey, I have surrendered and, uh, and something else. And it said, I'm not sure about what the next step is. And I'm thinking, all right, did he mean to send that to me? Like, was, was that supposed to come to me or, or do I need to say, did you mean this for me or what, you know? And, and anyway, I, so I just responded back and I said, uh, I said, man, that's awesome. I said, and God will reveal the next step, and he'll reveal the next step after that once you take that step. And he goes, that's right, or you're right. And, uh, and anyway, so the next night he texted me on, on Tuesday, and he said, are you still up? And I said, yes, and he called me. And I, I was like, all right, so that was meant for me. So, so I want to, hey, let's kind of unpack this and find out what we're talking about. And, and he said, man, I watched your message uh, on Monday, and I'm thinking, I didn't teach last Sunday. You know, I mean, like, what message is he talking about? And so whatever message he saw, you know, he said, man, I was just wrecked. He said, I was broken. He said, man, I've been weeping. Like all Monday, all I could do was just weep. And I said, man, that's a great place to be. That's called brokenness. And God desires a broken and contrite heart. And, and, said, and so I said, you talked about surrender. I said, tell me what's going on. And he just kind of started sharing with me. He said, and then on Tuesday, he said, I watched Tony's message. And he said, man, you know, it made me feel valued. And I said, well, you got the, you got the point of the message. And, uh, and he said, man, I just don't know where to go from here. I, I need to know, you know, what Bible. And I said, well, so he met me up here Wednesday morning. And I gave him a new believer's Bible and walked him through how to use a, use a new believer's Bible and got to pray with him and love on him. And I'm sitting there going, man, that's awesome. And uh, so he came on Wednesday night and went to a men's Bible study with a group of guys. And, and I, I thought, you know what? Now he knows what's next. And, uh, and I was talk, talking to Laurie about it. And uh, she goes, dude, that's revival. And church, I'm just telling you, we keep, I keep saying that and, and, and we've got to speak that and we've got to go, you know what? God is using the tools of technology and everything else to, to reach a guy on Monday that wasn't even here on Sunday. And, and so God is doing some things that we don't even realize sometimes. And, uh, so just very powerful to see how God is at work. And, uh, today we're starting a new series and, and this one is, is called winning the, the, the battle of the mind, winning the battle of the mind. You know, and, and we need to win in this area. And I'll just tell you this. There's nobody in this room that is immune from what we're talking about today. And we're going to be talking about for the next four or five weeks. And, and, and so you need to understand that the battle of the mind, man, is a tough place to win. 
But we can win. We can have victory. Those songs that we just got through singing about, men are talking about victory. And we can walk in that. And that's what Jesus intended for us to do is to, to walk in victory, to live in victory, and to share that victory with others. And so that's what we're called to do as believers, as, as Christians, is to, is to live that out. And, uh, and so I want you to understand, you know, the next few weeks we're going to be unpacking some things. And, and, and a lot of this is what God has been walking me through for the last couple of months. I'll just be honest with you. And there's a part of me I almost want to say, hey, listen, why don't you guys just pull up a chair, you know, here to the table and let's just sit down and let's talk. And let me kind of share with you what God's been doing in my life and share with you some things that I feel like could help you because they're helping me. And so I'm just telling you guys, I'm a fellow struggler when it comes to this. Whenever it comes to the mind, I, I tell people all the time, I feel like my mind is always like going, you know, like, uh, and I'm not one of those where I would say I'm a thinker where I sit around and think or ponder, but it's like my mind's always racing or always going, you know, and, and, uh, like I can walk through a room and I see things and, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm taking into inventory, all that stuff. And, you know, you may think, well, he didn't notice or whatever, but I do. And, and so for me, the struggle sometimes is slowing my mind down, um, like I love to hunt and, and so both season is about to start and it'll be uh, coming up uh, in the next month. And so the first time I, I get in the woods and I go on a bow hunt and I'm by myself in a stand, it's uh, number one, the first time you go on the hunt, number one, you realize everything that you left at the house that you didn't take with you this time. Because the first time it's like, yeah, I needed this, I needed this, my, you know, my range, all that kind of stuff. And so you realize, you know, everything that you left behind. But for me, it's like getting my mind to slow down. And so I'll be sitting there and I'll, I'll think, man, it's been 30 minutes. I'll look down. It's been like five minutes. I'm like, what? How in the world? You know? And so you're going like, God, help me just to enjoy this time. And so it takes really a couple of times of me going for my mind to have actually slowed down to be able to enjoy the moment. And I'm going, God, I just want to enjoy you. I want to enjoy creation. I want to enjoy a sunrise or a sunset. But we can be in such a rat race sometimes. And I don't know if y'all are like this, that we're always thinking and like, our staff used to hate whenever I would go hunting because I would be sitting in there sending them a, a list of things that need to get done. And uh, it would be like, man, I hate it when you go hunting because you – and so I would literally have to just say, you know what, i got to turn that off. So the good thing is that last year I hunted in a place where I didn't have hardly any signal. So that was a good thing, you know. And uh, and so I'm just telling you, we have, to, we have this battle of the mind that goes on. And some of you live that same way. Your mind is always going and you never take time to slow down and enjoy God's creation or your family or your spouse or your children or a sunrise or a sunset. You're always going. And here's the thing is you've got all these thoughts and a lot of those thoughts are just chewing you up and spitting you out. And so I want to share with you some things about how to win the battle of the mind. And, and we're going to be unpacking this over the next couple of weeks. And let me just say this. It's not a one two fix. It's really a process. And so it's a process we've got to be willing to submit to, and we've got to take ownership of our part in that. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, I want you to change the way I think. And uh, it's, it's, going to take, it's going to take some change. And so here's one thing you guys probably need to change uh, your mind about. You know, winning, a lot of times we talk about winning, and some of you guys think, well, winning doesn't matter. Your, your kids probably played in the YMCA or something like that. But I'm just saying that winning matters to God. Winning matters to God. Maybe not a football game, not that big of a deal, or a basketball game, or nothing like that. But winning does matter to God. It matters to Him, and it should matter to us. And winning in something way more important than a sport, but winning in life. Winning in the battle of the mind. Winning in the, in the, in the battles that will come our way. Winning is important to God throughout Scripture. I mean, we can go from beginning to end. It's about winning, you know, and, and He has, He has given us victory. We just got through singing about that. Here are a couple of passages. He says, but thank God he gives us victory. That's winning. Wouldn't you agree? He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so if you can't get your mind around that, you got problems from the get-go. But here's the thing is we've got to go, you know what? Winning does matter. And God has given us victory through Jesus Christ over sin and death. Sin does not have reign in my life. It should not control me. It should not dictate how I live. It should not, you know, crush my life. But if anything, I have been given victory over it. So, God, I want to walk in that victory. I want to walk in that victory over sin and death. And death is that separation from God spiritually and separation physically from this body. We will breathe our last one day. Every one of us will. Yesterday, 9-11, you know, we celebrated, you know, what, you know the 20-year mark. But for a lot of people, it's tough to celebrate because there was a lot of people that lost their lives that day physically that day. And it, it kind of wrecks them. I don't know if you watch that, but I think it's always important for us to remember things. We never forget certain things. And we remember the cost and we remember, you know, the, the, the investment that has been made to, to fight back the tyranny and fight back the, the enemy. And so we, we need to take time to celebrate those things. You know, and so victory is important. Victory is important. It matters to God. So winning uh, matters to God. Here's another Verse 58 it says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. I love that, that it says to be immovable. In other words, we're not pushed around by the enemy. We're not defeated. We're not walking in defeat. We're not walking beat down, but we're walking in victory. We've got to walk in that. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I, I prayed this morning. Our men and the prayer team were praying in the back. And I was praying for the 150 people that walked up and laid a card on, on this altar. And said, hey, listen, I am committed to serve wherever needed or whatever, you know, whatever area you marked. And I said, you know, God, don't let them be moved back to doing nothing. God, I'm praying that they will stay committed and they will honor that commitment that they made and that they will move. They will make a difference for the kingdom of God. But God, they won't be pushed around by the enemy. They won't be told, hey, you're not good enough or you won't make it. Or, you know, they don't really need you. You won't believe that junk, but you'll actually say, you know what, God, I want to use my gifts and I want to be used by you for your kingdom. And so we, we've got to understand that, you know, winning matters to God. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, man, that's been defeated. Condemnation has no place for us, those of us who have put our faith in Christ. We, 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 we on the winning team, if you will. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's a win. Wouldn't you agree? You've been freed from the power of sin. We have been freed from the power of sin. If you can get your mind around that and your heart around that, it ought to change the way that you look at how you live. And so winning matters to God. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? This is in Romans 8 further down. They say, man, if God is for us, who could be against us? And so God is the winner. God is the all-powerful. God is over all things. Everything is under his feet. Everything. But if he is for us, then who could be against us? So why do we give the enemy so much leadway? Why do we give him so much ground whenever we know that God is for us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't we also be given everything else? And so to hear that, you know, that, that God gave up his son, he gave Jesus to go to the cross, to bleed out his precious blood, to give his life as a ransom for us. That, that ought to tell us, you know what? Jesus has won and that winning was a big deal. Victory over death in the grave was a big deal. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. So God thought it was important enough that we have victory so that we would be in right standing with him. That we are in a relationship with God the Father through his son Jesus Christ by faith in what Jesus did. And so when we look at that we go, you know what? Winning matters. It mattered to God. It should matter to us. 
Winning should matter whenever it comes to the battle of the mind. Winning should matter when it comes to anything in life. God, that we want to give our very best. We, we don't want to lose out on, on, on being able to serve in the kingdom of God. We don't want to lose out on anything, God. We want to walk in victory. And so, a couple things here. The enemy wants to destroy you and any hope that you have. The enemy wants to destroy you. Now, there's some of you in the room, and you're probably going, maybe you're watching online, you go, you know, Mike, I'm not all into that devil stuff and demon stuff. Well, Jesus, he dealt with it, and he was into it. I don't know if you guys realize that. He cast out demons. You know, he, he confronted the devil. He defeated the devil. I mean, he, 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 he crushed his head. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he literally defeated uh, the devil. He defeated death, the grave, and sin. And so for us, we need to get our mind around, you know what, there is an enemy. And if we, we, we act like there's not an enemy, I'm just telling you, we're vulnerable and we're, we're stupid. There's no other word for it. And so we've got to understand that Jesus is going to talk about the enemy. God the Father is going to talk about the enemy. The Holy Spirit is going to talk about the enemy. Then we ought to be, you know, at least alert and aware that there is an enemy. And too often what we do is we, 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 we give the enemy time in our life. We listen to him more than we listen to God. We listen to him more than we listen to God's word. We, we get too focused on the things of the enemy. And so with the enemy wants to destroy you and any hope that you have. See, one of the things that I pray every week, I pray, God, I pray that you will send people here that are looking for hope. And maybe some of you today, you are my answered prayer. That God has brought somebody in here that was looking for hope. They feel hopeless. They feel like they're stuck. They feel like they can't win at what they're doing. Their relationships are falling apart. They feel like, you know, I don't even know if there really is a God. But you walk in here today, and my prayer is that you will walk out of here with hope. Because of what God's Word says, and realize, you know what, that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And so what Satan wants to do, he wants to do just the opposite. He wants to destroy any hope that you have of ever making it, ever winning. What it says here in 1 Peter, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's Peter, who was a follower of Christ, who Jesus said, Hey, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen, the enemy's real, and you guys better be watching out for the enemy. Then this follower of Jesus called Peter, who would say, Hey, listen, be alert, stay alert. There's an enemy that wants to destroy you. He wants to do everything he can to devour you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy everything about you because he hates you. And that is his, that is his mission is to destroy you and your witness, to do everything he can to come against the church. But the church will stand. God, Jesus already promised us that. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so we've got to walk in that, that truth. But we need to understand there is an enemy. So if you're one of those who goes, you know, Mike, I'm just not into that. Well, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. I'm telling you, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. Here's a, here's a statement from uh, Jenny Allen, and I've been reading a couple of books over the last few months, and, and this is one that has really ministered to me. And, and this is a quote out of her book. It says, Satan is invested in your defeat, and his primary target is your mind. So Satan has a vested interest in you being defeated. Satan has a vested interest in you losing. Satan has a vested interest in you losing your marriage or losing your family or you losing your life. His mental attacks catapult you into a downward spirals. As negative emotions drive your thoughts, decisions, behaviors, and relationships. Look at that. Your thoughts lead to decisions. Your decisions lead to behaviors, and then relationships are impacted. You live on autopilot, circling ever downward into dysfunction and misery, just spiraling out of control. And what it is, it goes back to our thoughts. And so the enemy, he attacks us in our thoughts. He attacks us with lies. And so our mind is the battlefield. 
I think sometimes we, you know, we don't know, hey, well, where's the battlefield? All right, let's, let's figure out what the battlefield is. I'm just telling you, the battlefield is the mind. You need to get your mind around that, that the battlefield is the mind. Because Satan loves to just drop little thoughts. You know what? You're not this. You're not that. And, and, and I'm just telling you, man, he does everything he can to attack our mind, to attack our, our self-worth, uh, you know, our, our confidence. He's always trying to tear us apart. And, and let me share a couple of stats with you that are, I think are important. 60 to 80% of visits to primary care physicians have a stress-related component. Most of us in the room know that stress is bad. It's bad for the body. I mean, it can cause all kinds of things like blood pressure issues, heart issues. And so we, we walk around stressed out. And a lot of times we're stressed out because of all the negativity. I mean, you know, there's so much negative going on, whether it be the news, social media, you know, just getting around people. You know, and I don't know about you. You ever get around somebody that's like a naysayer or a bottom dweller, like a, a negative Nancy? You get around them. Man, it'll stress you out, won't it? You're like, dude, I can only take them like so much. Like, I, you know, I mean, I'm just telling you, man, they're wearing me out. And then you see them coming like, oh, my gosh, hey, act like you're talking to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, dude, you know, I see them over there. God. But they they stress you out, right? Well, here's the thing is you are that person sometimes. You are that person because, you know, you got all this going on. You got all this stress in your life and all this negativity. And you're watching negativity and you're listening to negativity and you're bringing it in. You're just kind of feeding yourself. You're shoveling in all this negativity. And I'm just telling you, it affects you. And it stresses us out and it causes all kinds of literally physical uh, issues as well. 75 to 98 percent of mental, physical and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. From your thought life. You know, God's word says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so if we think negatively and we think, you know, negative physical things or negative mental things or negative behavioral things, we become those things. And so God's word says, as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. And so we have to change our thinking. And, and, and so we need, to, we need to understand that, you know, this is going to affect us. Here's, here's another statement. Many people live as victims of their own minds, consumed with negative thoughts that seem to control them. See, there's nobody in this room that's immune from that. You might think, well, Mike, I'm a pretty positive person. I'm pretty upbeat. I'm not a negative Nancy. I mean, I'm up there, you know. But the thing is, is that's, that may be only when people are around. Whenever they leave... You go downward spiraling and your thoughts are negative. You think negatively about yourself. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing. So here's the thing. We have eight, anywhere from eight to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Some of y'all are going like, I'm up there with 60,000. Some of y'all are going like, man, I'm down there with eight, like, you know, Patrick off of SpongeBob. Like, duh. You know, but the thing is, is even out of those thoughts, you know, whether you got eight or 60,000 thoughts going, maybe you're one of those where your mind is always racing. You're always thinking or contemplating. Maybe you're one of those who you overthink things. But the thing is, is 80% of those thoughts are negative. Research shows that 80% of those thoughts. So if you, you know, if you only got eight thoughts, 80% of them are negative, man, you're really negative. That's like a bad ratio. You know what I'm saying? But if you've got negative thoughts all the time and you're always, you always see the worst, you know, everything's half empty. You know, it's always half empty and, you know, they don't like me and, you know, I knew they didn't like me and I don't, I don't think I belong here. And it's always that negative thinking. You go, man, Mike, that's me, dude. Then God needs to change the way that you think. And, and so we, we've got to say, yeah, you know, sh- God, show me what needs to change. So this is from Jenny Allen's book. It says, How We Think Shapes How We Live. And, and the book is called uh, Get Out of Your Head. And uh, she's, she's an incredible lady. Uh, she she wrote, has a ministry uh, where she speaks to women. It's called If Conferences and stuff like that. She's out of Arkansas. And uh, anyway, God put this book on her heart, 
you know, way back a couple of years ago. And anyway, it came out right before COVID. So here you, got, here you got COVID with all these people who are battling depression. Like there's this major spike in depression and suicide attempts going around. And this book comes out about get out of your head. They even have it at Target. That's where I bought the book. It was at Target. But it's a, it's a bestseller. And uh, so if you're looking for something to help you change the way you're thinking, I'm telling you, she's got the ingredients. And it's really good. And so what we, what we do is, again, she says, how we think shapes how we live. And uh, one of the things I was listening to her on, on a podcast, she was talking with someone and she was sharing about how, you know, she went from she, her very first moment of believing uh, maybe a lie or feeling unsafe. Well, she was sitting in her dad's lap and her dad was telling her, was, was talking and, and he said, he said, uh, he goes, well, are you going to make homecoming? And then he began to ask, well, you know, do you like this person or do you hang out with these people? And she said at 12 years of age, she goes, I began to have this fear of I don't measure up. And she said, and so for the rest of my life, she goes, I began to chase this line trying to find my worth and my self-esteem in something. And so here's the bad thing is, is the enemy used her dad to speak that into her. And I would just say that to maybe some of you parents in here. You're always pushing your kids. You say, well, I'm just trying to encourage them to be their best. You may, be, you may be feeding them the lies of the enemy. And so we've got to be careful that we're not feeding them the lies of the enemy. So let's keep moving. The lies we are told by the enemy. And so there, there's three different lies that, that they would say that, 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 you know, happen. And that these are the lies that we're told and that we have to kind of work our, you know, it doesn't matter how it comes out. These are three. But I, I've got four. So I, I want to share these with you. So these are the lies that we're told by the enemy. So we have a real enemy. And he tells us, I'm alone. He says, I'm alone. You're alone. And, and there's many of you that maybe you wrestle with that. Maybe you go, well, you know, I, you know, I can't seem to ever have a relationship that works out. I'm alone. You know, and, and I would just tell you this. Here I am, the pastor of a fairly large church. And there's a lot of people in here. And there's a lot of people that I would say that I'm friends with and stuff. But there's times that, that Satan says, Mike, you're all alone. I have a wife. I have kids. I have friends. But there are times he says, you're alone. You don't need to tell anybody what you're struggling with. You don't need to tell anybody what you're dealing with. And I'm just telling you, he, he loves to isolate us. Remember, we said he's like a roaring lion. And Satan loves to try to get us alone. He tries to isolate us. But what he does is he'll lie to us and say, you are alone. And we believe it. And, and we buy into it. And we go, man, I am alone. No, you're not. But we believe the lie of the enemy. And so we, we keep listening to what he says. And he's lying to us. And I'm just telling you, we need to know that there's an enemy. We need to know that he is lying to us. Jesus said he's the father of all lies. And it just comes natural to him. That's what he does. He lies. Jesus is truth. God's word is truth. And, and so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to understand the truth of your word and not the lies of the enemy. God, I want to focus on what matters most, and that is your word. And so let's look at what God's word says about being alone. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he said, hey, listen, I want you to go and impact lives. And then look at this last one. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's the words of Jesus who says, hey, listen, I will be with you until the end of time. I'll be with you forever. But Satan says you're alone, right? But Jesus says, I'm with you. Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. He places within us this very, the spirit of the living God. He places the Holy Spirit within us. So whenever we have surrendered our life to Christ and we've asked Jesus to come into our life to forgive us of our sin, and God, we want to repent, we want to live for you, it says he seals us with the Holy Spirit. And so to, for, for me to believe the lie of the enemy that I'm alone is to 
contradict God's word that says that I have the spirit of the living God living within me and that Jesus says he will never leave me nor forsake me. So which one is truth? Then it's God's word that's truth. So I'm not alone. And so a lot of times we believe that lie. And what we do is we, we literally just kind of isolate ourselves and we start pushing other people back. If you guys look around the room, we've got life groups set up. And, you know, the thing I love about life groups is it's community. And, and we need other people in our life. And, and so you can be in, and I'll just say this, you can be in a large group and be alone by your choice. But this is a great place to connect with other believers and connect with other people. You know, community, we were created for community. If you look back at the scripture we just read, you know, it talks about go out, you know, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even God himself is community. It's three personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Working together. There's community right there. Whenever Jesus came, he established the church. The church is community. That church is made up of life groups and small groups that meet all over the world. You know what that is? That's community. We look back at the Old Testament. God had a relationship with Israel. That was community. And so community is critical to us making it. And what we do is we believe the, the lie of the enemy. And we say, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to open up to anybody because they, they won't love me. They won't accept me. They won't want to listen to me. They won't want to be around me. They won't have anything to do with me. And so I'm just going to do this on my own. And, and Satan's going, yes, got him. And Jesus is saying, No. That's not what you were created for. You were created for community. You were created to, to learn from one another. That's what we're created for. That's why the gathering of the church is so important. Not only in corporate worship, but in the life groups so where we sit around the word of God and we learn from God's word and we pray for one another. And so you, you can take this little card out. You can do the QR deal on the back and take a picture of it with your phone. And then you can go and you can pick out a life group and get plugged in and get connected. Or you can believe the lie of the enemy and just say, you know what? They probably wouldn't like me if I went there. They probably don't want me to be a part of their group. Whenever God is saying, hey, listen, you need to connect. You need to build relationships. You need to be involved. All right. So here's another one. It's another lie. I'm unlovable. There's a lot of you in the room that you feel like, you know what, man, I've been through so many relationships. And it never seems to work out. I always end up with a jerk or some jerk girl or whatever, you know. And, and uh, you know, I'm just unlovable. And they always leave. You know, maybe you're one of those that you've been through multiple marriages and you go, you know what? I've been through multiple marriages. I'm just unlovable. I'm the issue. Here's the thing. You may have issues, but God loves you. He wants a relationship with you and he can heal you and he can reveal to you what the issues are that are causing all these relationships to be stained and tainted and broken. God is a God who redeems. God is a God who restores. God is a God who can heal and change the way that we think. And when he changes the way we think, he changes the way we live. And he changes the way we live. It changes our relationships. And so there's hope for you in the room. And so you, maybe you think, well, Mike, I'm, I'm unlovable. That's not what God's word says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, that's John three sixteen. And so whenever I hear the lie of the enemy say, Mike, you're unlovable. And, I, and let me just tell you, I mean, Satan tells me the same thing. These are not lies that are only for you guys. These are lies that he tells me. You're unlovable. And I, I go back to Scripture and I go, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves me and wants a relationship with me. He wants me to spend time with him. He wants me to spend time in his word. He wants me to spend time in prayer. He wants me to spend time memorizing Scripture. He wants to spend time with me. He loves me. And so if you're sitting here and you're going, man, I'm unlovable. That is a lie from hell. That is Satan lying to you. Quit giving him ear. 
in your life. You've got to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to focus on you. I know how much you love me. I look at the cross and I realize how much you love me. When I look at the beatings that you went through, I realize how much you love me. When I realize that you poured out your precious blood for my lies, for my cheating, for my sin, I realize how much you love me. And so, God, I know that I am lovable. And so don't believe the lie of the enemy. You might say, well, my spouse doesn't show me love and therefore I don't believe I'm lovable. You're listening to the enemy. The enemy may be using your spouse, but I'm just telling you. You are loved. You are cherished. Tony talked about it last week. Man, you're the apple of God's eye. Your worth is incredible. And so we need to understand that, that there is life and there is love in Christ. Here's another one. I'm worthless. We talked about value last week. That you're invaluable. God wants to use you. God wants you to be a vessel. God wants to do things through you. And God sees you as having worth. He, he, he thought you was worth his son going to the cross he thought you were worth his son bleeding out his blood he thought you were worth the beatings that he took for your sin and my sin and so whenever we look at scripture we go god i know that i'm I'm worth something but the enemy says you're worthless and here's the thing we we listen to that and we go you know we look around and say you know what man I, i don't ever finish anything or i'm not really good at anything and and we begin to listen to the lies of the enemy and we begin to tear ourselves down we begin to destruct ourselves and we go you know what i'm worthless Maybe you had a mom or a dad that told you, you know what, you'll never amount to anything. And you're doing everything you can to prove them right. They spoke that negativity. They spoke that death over you. And you're going, you know what? They were right. No, they were wrong. They were, they were the enemy. God, the enemy was using your mom and dad to speak lies over you and you believed it. Just like Jenny, her dad, you know, it sounds like he was doing something positive. It wasn't. It wrecked her. And mom and dad, don't be the enemy in your child's life. Let God's word permeate your mind. Let it change the way you think, the way that you talk, so that when you speak over your children, you speak life over them. So I'm worthless is a lie. God saved you by his grace when when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. This is a gift from God. Not anything that you earn. So your worth doesn't come from what you do. It's a gift that we receive. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's not anything that I can boast about. It's a gift I receive. It's, it's grace. It's God's salvation. For we are God's masterpiece. Does that sound like I'm worthless? For I, for I am God's masterpiece. For you are God's masterpiece. For you are God's masterpiece. Does that sound like I'm worthless? Does that sound like you're worthless? But yet the enemy tells you you're worthless. But yet God says you're a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I think of a masterpiece, I think that is something incredible. And that's like a work like no other. And that's what God says about us, that we're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's changed us and transformed us from the inside out. Here's another lie. I'm helpless. There's so many times we, we get to a certain point and we, we feel helpless and therefore there's no hope. And we even say, I'm hopeless. And if you speak that over yourself long enough, you'll believe that lie. You'll go, I'm helpless. There's no hope for me. And I'm just telling you, man, we, we love to see people come through those doors looking for hope. Because we know that Jesus is the hope of the world. John Pierce uh, and Suzanne, who lead our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, we talk about all the time that we're hope dealers. 
That's what we are. We are hope dealers. We are offering hope. We're sharing hope. We're telling people where the hope is at. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're just pointing towards Jesus is what we're doing. But, it's, but the lie says I'm helpless, but this is what Scripture says, but you belong to God. That ought to change things, right? I, I, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I am a part of the family. I am a part of the body of Christ. I'm a part of the church. Anyone who has surrendered their life to Christ and received Jesus Christ by faith, they have salvation, but they are also adopted into a family called the kingdom of God. And so you, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those who, those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We were singing a song earlier, greater are you than my, my enemies. And there's too many times when I think that we give the devil way too much credit. Now, I think we need to be alert. We need to know where he's at. We need to know how he works. But here's the thing. He is not victorious. And he does not deserve anything. But God deserves everything. But God has put a spirit within us that is greater than anything that's in this world. And so we kind of, we've got to walk in that. As a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to consciously choose your thoughts and replace ungodly lies with scriptural truths. Don't miss that point there. As a follower of Jesus, as someone who has placed their faith in Christ, someone that is saved, that has the spirit of the living God placed within him, says you have the ability to consciously choose your thoughts, to choose your thoughts. You might say, well, Mike, this, this thought is just is, is taking me over. All right, but as a believer, we have a choice. We get to choose our thoughts. We get to choose what we focus on. And so it's a battlefield. And so what Satan does is Satan hits you with this negativity. And here's the thing. We... Invite all this negativity in through maybe the media or maybe through social media or whatever. Maybe you get around negative people, whatever. And so we, we just, it's like we're shoveling this garbage in. And what we've got to be willing to do is we've got to say, you know what? I've got a choice. I can watch something better. I can watch something better on TV. I can watch, I can, I can, you know, I can fast from this stuff. Maybe some of you ought to fast from the news for two weeks. Maybe you ought to fast from social media for two weeks. And so, God, you know, I, I'm literally bombarding myself with all this negativity. I want to focus on positive things. And maybe take those two weeks, and instead of every time that you want to go watch the news, or every time that you want to do social media, instead of reaching for your phone, what you do is you begin to spend time in God's Word, and you begin to read Scripture. And maybe you even begin to memorize Scripture, and you hide it in your heart so that you won't sin against God. And maybe you even try to apply that truth and that text, and you go, God... I want to focus on these things. I want to focus on the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be taken care of. So really what we're doing is we're lining up with scripture whenever we say, you know what, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first before all this other stuff. And so we have a choice. It says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So Romans, what Paul is saying here in Romans, we can change the way that we think. Science even backs this up. That, you know, if that we can choose a new thought, it begins to lay a different pattern in our life. There's some of you in this room that, you know, what we, we do is we say, hey, listen, I'm going to choose a new way of thinking. Well, that new way of thinking becomes a new pathway. And that new pathway has to be established in our mind. But what we have done is throughout our life, we have been following a pattern that was established maybe by our mom and our dad. You know, or maybe from bad decisions or maybe something that was done to you. And so all of the patterns that we have are really negative. Because we were raised in a negative home and negative teaching and negative acting and all this kind of stuff. And we just say, well, Mike, I'm a product of my environment. But God says that we can change the way that we think. And whenever we choose to think in a new way, it begins to establish a new path that will eventually become a new pattern. And a new way of thinking, a new way of living, and a new way of behaving. And so Paul is telling us here, listen, you can change, guys. 
You can, you can win this battle, but you have to change the way that you think. You have to be willing to let God transform your mind. Changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's good will, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's what we want. We want what's good, pleasing and perfect, not what's negative and corrosive and toxic. God, we want to focus on the things that are good. And so we've got to be willing to look at it. Let's look at this passage here out of 2 Corinthians verse 10 or chapter 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power is God power. Divine power is God power. In other words, so look at what it says again. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. So the weapons that we've been fighting with is not me going, hey, I'm going to try to think positive this week. It's not that. What we need is we need to understand that it's going to take divine work. This morning as we were praying back there with the, uh, with the prayer team, one of the ladies prayed. She said, God, help us know that we cannot do this on our own. God, remind us that we need you. And she is exactly right. And I'm just telling you, you're not going to win the battle of your mind without Jesus. There's nobody in this room that will win that mind. You might say, well, Mike, you know, there's a lot of good self-help books out there. And I've been watching a couple of shows on TV, you know, and they've got some positive things. That I'm just telling you, humanism will not get there. If it would, you would already be fixed, right? There's nobody in this room that says, I mean, I want to walk around thinking toxic thoughts and negative thoughts and tearing up relationships and destroying myself and hating myself. Nobody's going to do that if they could fix it. But the thing is, is we need divine power. We need the, the, the work of God in our life. We can't fix it on our own. I'm broken. Man, and I'm in need of a Savior. I'm broken. I'm in need of God working in my life. And so I need God to work in me and to work through me. But look at it again. It's divine power to demolish strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? Stronghold is a lie that you have believed for so long that you can't seem to win on your own. So therefore, you need divine power. You need the power of God to tear down the stronghold that has taken over your life. And you have believed the lie of the enemy so long that it seems like truth to you, and it's not. And you can't seem to win in that area because you've just literally given that area to the enemy. But divine power can destroy and demolish that stronghold. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now that's a tough one. There are times whenever I go, God, I have too many thoughts coming into my mind. And how do I capture every one of them? And here's the thing, you have to start with one. It's kind of like eating an elephant. You know what I'm saying? One bite at a time. Well, you have to take one thought captive and say... I'm not going to think that. I'm putting that under the obedience of Christ. I'm throwing that at the foot of the cross. You know what? God, I'm going to think differently. God, only you can help me do this. So we, here's the thing. We need, we have to believe in divine power and divine weapons. I'm telling you, there's no other way. We, we have to believe that God is able. We have to believe that God can set us free. We have to believe that we walk in victory. And so we have to believe in divine power and divine weapons. And what are the weapons? The weapons are, number one, we choose what we think. And we choose to focus on God's word and God's truth. And so divine power and divine weapons are what we need. So here's the thing. We, we need to change our focus. We need to change our focus. For, so for, for many of us in this room, what we have done is we have focused on the negativity. All we can see is what's wrong. All we can see is the negative. All we can see is what isn't working. All we can see in our marriage. All we can see in our spouse is what's not working. All we can see in our kids is what's not working. 
And so we need to change our focus. And here's the thing, what, what we do too often is we give the enemy the focus. We, we sit there and we, we listen to the enemy. We listen to the lies. No matter where it's coming from, the enemy can use anybody. But we listen to it. And sometimes, like I said, we just, we just shovel it in. We shovel the negativity in. But what we've got to do is we've got to change our focus. We need to change our focus to where we're not focusing on the lies. And we're not focusing on the negativity. We're focusing on the truth of God's Word. We're focusing on the promises of God. We're focusing on the Son of God. That when we go, you know what? Father, help me to stay focused on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Father, help me to stay focused on Jesus, the shepherd who cares for my soul. God, help me to stay focused on Jesus. And to see the humanity that he walked in here among us, but yet was without sin. God, help me to see the love of Jesus as he went to the cross and that nothing would deter him. Even though Satan tried to, Satan tried to tempt him, he was going to stay focused on doing the Father's will and he was going to do whatever it took to redeem us. God, help me to stay focused on Jesus this week. God, help me to not focus on what's negative in the news and what's negative around me. God, help me to stay focused on Jesus. Help me to stay focused on the Messiah. Help me to look at his qualities, his love, his healing, his serving. God, I want to serve like Jesus did. God, help me to love people the way that Jesus loved people. God, help me to pray the way that Jesus prayed. The disciples saw that it was his power. And so we've got to change our focus. I want to end with this. This is a passage that many of you guys know. It's the 23rd Psalms. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, God's kind of redeemed this uh, through a book that uh, I've been reading. And for me, for whatever reason, the 23rd Psalm is almost about death. Because it talks about the valley of death. It's almost like a funeral type passage. But it's been redeemed over the last couple of months in my life. And so I want to leave it with you today. And I want you to maybe take some time to, to read through maybe the 23rd Psalms over the next few weeks. And another passage is Psalms 139. You know, if you get a chance, read Psalms 139. It talks about how God knows everything about us. We can't get away from Him. He knows everything about us. So that's a great passage to remind you that you're not alone. You cannot escape His love and His forgiveness. But I want us to read this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Don't you love that? I've got everything I need. I've got everything I need to make it. Some of you guys, you're already in here today. You're believing that lies of the enemy say, hey, Mike, all that sounds good. But I'm just telling you, I've been fighting this battle for too long and I never find victory. Your focus may be in the wrong direction, on the wrong things. The source that you're focused on is the wrong source. But what, what David says, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. I've got everything I need. If you're a believer and you have the spirit of the living God living within you, you have everything you need. You have the God of the universe who is watching over you. You have everything you need. You have the forgiveness of Christ. You have everything you need. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. There's some of you in this room. You just need rest. That's what God gives. He gives you rest. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His namesake. There's some of you in this in here today. You just need to be refreshed. You needed some hope. This is hope. This is truth. This is not a lie. This is what we ought to be clinging to and leaning into. It's for Jesus. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So even though I walk through tough times and difficult times and hard times, He is there. And He's there to comfort me. And He's there to defend me. 
It says your rod and your staff. The staff is what he used to, to kind of, you know, move the sheep around. But the rod is what he used to defend them. And so we have one who fights for us. And he is greater than our enemy. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God just blesses us. In the middle of the battle, he's there. And he wants to bless you. Last one. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe that God is speaking to some of you today about your thought life. And maybe some of you today have realized, you know what? I have a choice. I can choose to think differently. I can choose to focus on the things that God says to focus on. Philippians 4 says, hey man, focus on these things. What we do sometimes is we, we focus on the negative and what we do is we worry. Anybody in here worry? Any guys worry? You know what worry is? Worry is negative meditation. You take some issue and you focus on it and you think on it over and over and over and it builds anxiety and you get worse and worse and worse. But in Philippians 4 it says, be anxious about nothing but by prayer and supplication present your request before God. So what it says, hey, listen, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. So some of you need to quit worrying, you need to start praying. So what does that mean? That's a change of focus. I'm not going to focus on the negative, I'm going to focus on the God who loves me. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm just telling you, without Jesus, there's no winning this battle. Without Jesus, there really is no hope. But man, with Christ, with Jesus, there's hope, there's life change. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, or maybe you're watching online, you've never, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Let today be the day that you receive Jesus Christ by faith. Let today be the day that you are in, in, in right standing with God the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of your faith in that. So maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, man, I, that's what I need. I, I need Jesus in my life. I, Jesus, I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to change me. And so right where you are, just, just, just pray this prayer. I want to I lead you through a simple prayer. It's a prayer of the heart. But here's what I will tell you. It's a change of the way you think. It's changing your mind. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross, and I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you can save me. I believe that you can heal me. I believe that you can give me victory. I believe that you can set me free. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have right now, right here, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I want to receive the gift of salvation, but I surrender to you my life. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. God, I'm broken over my sin. That's repentance. And I want to live for you. If that is your prayer, and you're here in the room, if you would just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Jesus to come into my life. Just raise it high where I can see it. Raise it high. I see your hand right here. If you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome home. You're adopted into his family. You're his daughter. You're a daughter of the king. Anybody else, raise your hand. Just say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. By faith, I just received Christ. Man, that's awesome. Salvation is in the room. We had a young man gave his life to Christ in the, in, the, in the first service. Awesome. We want to give you a Bible. We want to put that in your hand. We want to help you in that walk. But you know, I think there's a lot of us in this room that are believers, that are Christians, that are just living in bondage. 
And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I want to give you an opportunity to lay some things down. I want to give you an opportunity just to, to literally change the way you're thinking today. In just a second, Pastor West is going to lead us through a song called Come to the Altar. And that song is for you. And it's a calling to you to respond. I want to encourage you to come lay something on the altar. We talked about a while ago, you know, when we confess our sins one to another, healing begins. There may be something you need to come down and just pray with somebody. Maybe you just need to get on your face before God and just say, God, I want to to change the way I'm living. God, I want to change the way I think. God, I want to ask you to forgive me. So I want to ask you to stand. Everybody across the room, just stand. Everyone stand. You respond as God leads. Pastor West is going to lead us through this song. And like I said, you just come to the altar. The prayer team will be here at the sides. There will be somebody there to pray with you. Maybe you just need to go to the altar and just lay something down. Because I'm just telling you, in a room this size, there's some of you who've been toting around baggage for way, way too long. And Jesus said, hey, listen, come unto me for my yoke is light. And I'll take care of you. You respond as God leads. Go ahead, Wes.
Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. Thank you for loving us enough to save us, to change us, to change the way we think. So, Father, we give you everything. I pray for, I pray for every soul in this room, God, that today they would do business with you. I know for some it's tough to walk that aisle and walk down there. And so, God, I pray that they would not walk out of this room without dealing with you. Even if it's there in that chair, God, they would trust you. They would listen to truth and they would listen to hope. They would listen to love. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for loving us so much that you would give your one and only son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.